Welcome to the Holy Spirit's Curriculum of Joy podcast. My name is Wanaka Overhuber, and I'm your host. My guest today is Gary Ramsey. Hi. Hi, Wanako. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's really a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it. It's a great opportunity for both of us to join in walking each other home, as I say, as The Course in Miracles says as well. <laughs> so I'd like to start with a beautiful question that has come to me and has a lot to do with A Course in Miracles as well, because it says, you can't change the world, but you can change your mind about the world. So how did you come to see the, the world the way you do today? Thank you. That's a beautiful question. And uh, I have a very specific answer. I um, walked into my specialist, my doctor, who was a specialist, his office, uh, to get results on tests I had taken in August of 2015. And he looked at me and he said, I have to tell you in no uncertain terms that you could die at any minute. And I looked at him and literally the entire world was no longer what it had been before he said that. It was as though everything in my universe had simply, uh, the best way I can say it is it stopped. It just stopped. There was no longer any past. There was no longer any future. There was no longer um, a me versus a him. It was as though I was just transcended into this unbelievable now that, uh, I didn't actually know what to do with. It was um, like stopping a film, just like stopping a film. And of course, uh, eventually it, you know, occurred to me to say, well, how? Like I had never heard of anybody telling anybody that they could die at any minute unless they had a gun to their head. And, um, he explained my situation, which turned out to not only be deadly, but it was very rare and uh, very unique. Um, and very simply, it was a tumor that had grown through my kidney, through the renal vein and going toward my heart. So it was threatening to stop my heart, this tumor. So that was the situation and of course then your mind doesn't my mind just wasn't functioning it was just things were coming to me i wasn't really talking it was coming to me and i said well what can be done and he said that's the real bad news nothing can be done and i was like what and he um, explained once again, it was so fragile. Anything they attempted, be it surgery, radiation, or any kind of uh, uh, therapy, they said would only aggravate it and in fact would actually make uh, it rupture. 
and I would die faster. So that is really how I uh, started this journey. So we'll continue as soon as we get your sound back. So yeah, that sounds like a really, really elementary thing when you are faced with this situation where you can't do anything according to the doctor. And that's pretty, pretty massive situation and it would be a total surprise to anyone. So I think that uh, a shift in the way you see the world, that moment is very, very certain, <laughs> certainty, but it can go in any way. So the way you're describing it is a really fascinating to hear how that developed for you. Yeah, thank you for thank that. Thank you for that. And you are so welcome. And, oh, excuse me. There, am I, uh, can you see me? Yes. And so that's really kind of like day one of my life. It felt like um, there was nothing in my life anymore except for what was going on in the, that moment. So literally um, I was left with my death, my impending death, as the conversation went on, you know, I asked him, was there anything I could do? Could I, you know, prevent something? He said, nope. He said, it can happen at any time. No one has control. He said, my best advice to you is to get your affairs in order as fast as possible. And he said, I will do anything I can. If you would like to try a surgery, you can go ahead and do it but he said i will guarantee you will die during that surgery so without really even again thinking or whatever i just all of a sudden had this impulse to ask for all my records and he said well yeah i will give you your records it's not a problem he said but um you know I, I don't think there's anything you can do with them. And I said, well, I just want them. And right there, that came as a surprise to me because I didn't want them. I didn't think there was anything to be done as, uh, according to what I was being told. So I said, uh, but I want them. I knew I wanted them. And then um, shortly after that, he gave me his personal number, told me to call if I need anything. Whatever I decide to, I want to do, he would help me, blah, blah, blah. And then I just had this unbelievable feeling I had to get out of there. I just had to leave. I just was in there too long and it was like I was being closed in. So lo and behold, I um, left and it was a beautiful day in late August of 2015. And there was a park there. Uh, not far from where I was. And I kind of went to that park. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I really received 
a moment that I call a state of bliss. I was absolutely thrust into this existential bliss where once again, kind of like at the beginning of the discussion in the office, there was nothing. There was no me, there was no them, there was no anything around me, yet I was cognizant and involved with all of it. I and it were just one. And there were all kinds of things going on, children playing, nannies, people, old men playing chess. There were all kinds of things going on, but I felt completely a part of it and yet totally in another realm, not almost like a seer, a watcher. And it was so overwhelming that I sat down on a bench somewhere there. And I don't know how long I was there, what happened, what went on, but all of a sudden I woke out of it. It was like I came out of that state. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to die. That's what this is really about. And there are no options. And maybe this is, maybe, maybe, maybe I just did die and I don't know it yet. <laughs> so there was vast confusion. And then a woman's name came to me, Anita Morjani. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's a woman who legally died of her end stage cancer in Hong Kong and was in a coma. She had had a near-death experience and she came out of that coma and completely healed uh, within, within days, really. And I thought, oh, wait, maybe I won't die. Maybe I'll have a miracle like her. I'd been a big fan of the book. I had given it to people that I knew that were very ill. And I said, maybe that's what this is about. And then all of a sudden, again, uh, it was thrust onto me like, oh, you need to call this person. So I called. And then it was like, you need to do this. And so I did that. And it was almost as though God and my angels were just putting me, taking me. I was no longer in charge. There was no me to be in charge. And it was really, truly a beautiful, um, I know it's one of the most terrible things that anybody could probably go through, but it was truly the most blissful, beautiful experience I've ever had. And so um, I then proceeded home, not really knowing what I was going to do. I had spoken to my sister on the phone I told her the same thing. I don't know what I'm going to do. And as I put the key in the door, it came to me to get online and research Germany. And the reason was uh, because a few years prior, they had taken Farrah Fawcett there to uh, for her cancer. And even though, uh, you know, she did eventually die, 
a friend of mine said that Germany had some of the top cancer treatments in the world. And all of a sudden I was inspired to go on the computer. So I ran upstairs to my apartment, got onto the computer and researched cancer treatments in Germany and came up with this fabulous facility I saw on the uh, pop-up section, right on the right side of the computer that was in Mexico. And it was this hospital that treated cancer people. So I popped down to that, I saw it. And the minute I saw it, I knew that was where I was going to go. Once again, it was like I was in another dimensional reality. I my life had not worked that perfectly up until then, but that day it was working absolutely exquisite. Um, and I got on, there was a number and I called and sure enough, someone was talking to me. I explained the, this rare tumor situation that I had. And she literally said, oh yes, we're familiar with those. And I said, really? They're supposed to be extremely rare. And she said, yes, they are. And I said, well, why are you familiar? And she said, well, because a lot of people just die in the States. And here we do try certain therapies to see if we can stabilize the tumor and eradicate it and uh, remove it. And I was in shock because, you know, I said my specialist just said, there's nothing that can be done. And she said, in the States, no, there isn't. She said, here we do. And we have had a certain amount of luck, but uh, it is a very complicated situation. And that was really where the journey began. Was I going to live or die? And I had been led there. I had been led there by this unbelievable, just exquisite presence that just kept guiding me to it. And then, believe it or not, she said, the thing that would be great is if you have your medical records on you, <laughs> which I asked for in the specialist's office, and I didn't know why. I had no idea why I wanted them, because there was nothing to be done with them, but she needed them. And so I was able to fax all those over. And the long and the short of this, because those miracles just kept occurring over and over and over, all the way through. Because as you can see, I'm still alive. And that was, um, I, I want to say, the, the, my major, major breakthrough in my life that went from the Gary Ramsey before uh, cancer and then the Gary Ramsey that occurred after cancer, which was a very long journey. I mean, it's nearly eight years ago. And so many things I really can't even take responsibility for because they were not my doing they were, I was compelled to do them as I explained with this call and with 
you know, uh, finding this this clinic in Mexico, which again was completely out of the realm of of um, on my part. It just popped up literally on the screen, and I knew I was going to go there. My intuitive everything was working at a very 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 high level, and um, the journey then just continued from there from one thing to the next to the next to the next i was out there within uh i don't even think it was a total of five days or six days maybe six and i was there they told me what to do until i got there which any of you who are interested they said cut all processed food sugar out of your diet don't eat any sugar not even fruit until you get here, until you're on that plane and you get here. And that is what I did. And then we proceeded to work with this quote unquote daily tumor. And what I deeply learned is that the tumor was not deadly. I'm sorry, it was deadly to me, to this, this situation but it was not deadly it was inside of me and had grown and was there to serve a purpose it was there to become what it needed to become and i thought wow it's showing me this journey it's taking me and i used to joke about it and say uh it was rosemary's baby because it was you know, encapsulated in the kidney in such a way that it looked like arms and legs coming out of the kidney with this little head. And I thought, uh, this tumor is here to teach me. That's really what it's about. And so I developed a, a love and a understanding of this tumor, which, um, held a lot of the dark parts of me that had gone on throughout my life. And um, I even wrote a book when I got back, which again, I didn't want to do. I never wanted to write a book in my life, but I was led to do that and called it um, Bliss, which is how the story began, One Hero's Journey. And I called it One Hero's Journey because I really began to see all of us as heroes on our journeys leading back to ourselves in the end. And that there are no um, bads or no goods or no rights or no wrongs or no evil or uh, uh, godlike, there's just the all, this one encompassing all that permeates everything in existence. And that journey uh, put me, um, how can I even say this? Put me completely away from everything that I had been and 
showed didn't didn't allow me to know where we were going to go. I guess that's the best way I can put it. I didn't know, again, I didn't even know if I would survive this. Um, and even at the facility in Mexico, during my surgery, I had to have a family member there in order for them to perform the surgery because the chances of me dying were still very great, very, very great. And um, I did that. Obviously, it was all successful. And I realized on that journey, and this is what I currently do and practice and still investigate and, and look toward, is that it is a blessing when someone is given such an opportunity to embrace everything that they they've ever believed and then to face death and not really know what the outcome was going to be what i was going to be at the end of it and i really didn't believe i would survive uh or know that i would survive until i woke up from the surgery and once again was told it was miraculous your blood counts all of a sudden came into alignment right as we were doing the crucial part your the 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 tumor in the kidney came out like a baby which i found funny because i kept calling it a baby rosemary's baby and i literally felt honored to have been given this stupendous experience and then i was from that kind of on a mission my my story had gotten out anita morjani there was another thing we then met i decided to go listen to her talk at one of her tours and somebody there uh had heard my story and had gotten it to her and then we connected and i actually spoke at that um lecture and of course said she was one of the people that inspired me because she had come through death and that's kind of what woke me up and set me to, uh, you know, uh, travel on my journey. And she was the one that inspired me that, yeah, maybe there's something out there for me. And um, that's how the book came into being, which again, as I've mentioned, I never wanted to write a book. I never had any, I'm not a writer. And um, I have helped a tremendous amount of people from that time with their cancers or fears or you know their death sentences or diagnoses and on that whole journey i realized that we are really the ones in control but and and what i mean is in control of ourselves but we don't know it 
we have the strength and the ability to overcome whatever we truly, truly uh, uh, feel we can overcome with uh, God, the Holy Spirit, working in that direction. But of ourselves, by ourselves, we are not really capable of much of anything. And everything then we desire comes from a very different place in our, our beings and usually is connected to some sort of um, need or neediness or, or um, self um, egoic, in an egoic place. So I was really given a crash course uh, through my quote-unquote impending death that actually rocketed me into this life that I am now living. And what and how this is all going to go is beyond me. Um, because now, after six years, all was going very well. I um, my cancer returned, except this time it returned as stage four metastatic renal cell carcinoma, which basically uh, was another death sentence. So I got my second death sentence six years later, and it has, you know, uh, now once again thrown my life into another and newer direction. Uh, so it spread to my brain and both lungs. I was supposed to die six months ago, uh, a little over six months ago, for this cancer. Supposed to die yeah, almost eight years ago for the other cancer. And once again, I am going through this journey helping other people who are also stage four i didn't know a lot about stage four when until i got it and um i am now redirecting my energy and realizing oh this is just another journey to go through this because this is where God, the Holy Spirit has led me. And once again, I, I, I don't wanna be egotistical in this, but I am showing the way through the fact that I don't, uh, I don't die. I don't fit the quote unquote, um, the rules of my cancer. And it hasn't gone the way that it's supposed to have gone. I was supposed to be dead with the first, I'm supposed to be dead already with the second, and that isn't happening. And that is about us. That is about our unique ability to embrace and go beyond what we do not believe we can go beyond. Um, and that is really where everything has been in this past 
almost eight year period. It'll be eight years in, in August, eight years in August. Why I was chosen, I don't know. Uh, I do know it's been the most uh, unbelievable learning experience of my existence. I do know that I've done things that I never imagined I would do. And I do know that I feel so blessed to be the person doing it. Um, but that's all I really know. And that's all I've, um, I guess at this point, that's all I really can say at this point. And I was just wondering if, you know, you or anybody has any kind of question or would like some sort of or observation. Yeah, from from my side, I, I'm wondering because there's many people who have this ter this terminal sentence put on them and many do not do not go the journey you went. They don't have a bliss experience or this or that, or they don't tell about it. Maybe they do, I don't know. But I have not, there's 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 those like Anita Marjani, yourself, and some others, you know, who have these really radical change of view about everything. And there's those who don't have that or don't or don't speak about it if they have it and then they, they die. Because it doesn't mean that you, you if you have it, you you will continue to live or not we don't know right the plan could be another one like you said you never know but what i was wondering is do you have any idea why you chose to let that that voice in you or that that force in you that knows what to do tell you what to do how that was possible for you to let that happen and i think you know think there's many people who, who probably instead of doing that will go down the what you might call the ego or others would call the ego thing of, of oh my god i'm gonna die i can't do anything it's the end what should i do well i don't know what else right but they might not listen to they might not get that that input from that thing that that part of themselves that knows what to do right and i'm wondering why you have any explanation about that I actually do um, because in my life, I um, was always, gravi always gravitated toward the unknown, that which is not um, materialistic. I always am fascinated with the spiritual end or the uh, mysterious end, uh, the mystic parts. Uh, I was an actor to begin with. I became an opera singer. Uh, which again has a lot of spiritual uh, connotations in it. Uh, they even call them devos and divas. Um, and and that was one of the things I learned about my past that God is everywhere present. The Holy Spirit everywhere we are, it's always there, no matter what it looks like. It's always there. But then the question is, is can we become aware as you asked? So in my journey, I uh, chose, um, and I, again, really had a deep desire to 
uh, know more about the inner workings of the body. So I started doing a technique called the Alexander Technique to help clients and other people that I worked with, with their issues, vocally, body-wise, to help them kind of release out of their predicament. Uh, if they were losing their voice or having pain somewhere. And I became more and more successful at it as I did. And I, I trained to become a teacher of it. And um, then I had an even more heightened uh, ability to really use my mind. And that's really what you do in Alexander. You use your mind in order to change the state of the physical or the mental or the emotional or the psychological. Because as we know, everything comes from the mind. Uh, my name is Gary Ramsey, comes from my mind and the programming of my mind to believe that to be true. And as we all know, if I were knocked in the head and had amnesia, uh, I wouldn't know who Gary Ramsey is. So these are the things that I explored. And as I got better and better, I could actually get people out of their pain uh, and, and get them calmer, get them to have more space around the issue that they were having. And that right there is what allows more openness, I feel, to connecting with spirit guidance, that the more calm we are surrounding the situation, the easier it is to access. Now, I had been doing this practice back then in 2015. I had been doing it for well over 17 years. So I was pretty experienced in that. And I think it was pivotal in how I was led uh, on that journey. Whereas someone who is of the, I'll call it the matrix of our world, which is the ego side of our world, which is all about, you know, facts and information and all of these kinds of things. If they're really tied into that, they're pretty far removed from their own self. So therefore, when they get a diagnosis, the uh, diagnosis is generally, for most people, not very good. There are a few people that get good diagnoses. And even when they do, um, you know, they still can be very scared by the treatments and the procedures. And once fear, and this is the one thing I learned on the first journey, once fear enters, really in a sense, that is, <laughs> that is the devil. If there is such a thing as a devil, that is the devil. Once we become overwhelmed, or we allow fear to come into us um, because we must do it. So my doctor said you could die at any minute, but it didn't make me afraid. It shocked me, I will admit that. I didn't realize there was something that could do that, that was that powerful that it could just take me out any second. You know, I'd always heard of pe people having two weeks to live or two months. 
So that shocked me, but it didn't terrify me. And because I've always been fascinated with that idea of, of you know, what is death about? Wh what does happen? I lost some of the most important people in my life before I was 10 years old. So I was uh, kind of well-versed and was given that opportunity to see that. And as we all know, all of it ends in death. I mean, everyone, death is always on the board with everybody. And now I've even come to see that every moment is dying and is being reborn and dying and being reborn. And at any of those moments, we can die and maybe be reborn or not, because ultimately none of us will survive the long term. So I think part of that is in what I just said and that kind of thinking that none of this is really permanent. None of this is actual and real so that we can hang on to it forever. It's only ours momentarily. Therefore, it's more on the illusional illusion realm than it is on the reality realm. But um, though I treat reality with respect, it I don't give it all of my faith. I give faith to that which I don't see or don't know. But I, I know through my faith that it's there and it never leaves. And everyone has the same thing going on. But as you stated, some people just don't recognize because they haven't investigated it deeply. And, and when do most people investigate? When they're struck with tragedy, either their own tragedy or someone else's tragedy. And that happened with me when I was dying. Many people investigated themselves way more deeply than they ever had. And I made a big impact in that regard because everybody saw me as really healthy and well and did the right things and ate well. I was, you know, I had a thriving practice. I was an opera singer. Uh, nobody saw me as a target for death. And then all of a sudden, not only was I quote unquote dying, but I was I could die at any second. But it's true of anyone. Anyone could have a massive heart attack or a hemorrhage or a uh, uh, an aneurysm or, or, or a multitude of things, even a child, even an infant. And that could be their last moment. So that exploration had always been around before the cancer. But of course, then I was faced with it. And that, you know, that puts a whole different spin on it. And so I became very intimate with death. And uh, and I always tell people the first cancer, I really did expect to die. I didn't feel this clinic, which was wonderful in Mexico. I didn't feel they would be able to really 
make it happen. And um, they did. They absolutely did. But my faith was that no matter what happened, all would be well. And I got a lot of that from Anita Morjani. She, she was told that on her journey, that no matter what she decided, whether she was going to continue or die, all would be well. And I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. In fact, that's one of the things that struck me about her story. And so um, that is my, you know, uh, I guess <laughs> my, 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 uh, uh, the liturgy or, or, or what, what do they write on the tombstones? My, my saying on the, the tombstone, all will be well, no matter what. And uh, that's what got me through. And that's what got me through to the other side of that first journey. This second journey is not actually as difficult or as serious as that one, even though it's stage four. But again, we're programmed in this world here to believe that stage four is insurmountable. You know, stage four metastatic. We believe it's insurmountable. It's not. It's not. Um, so far, I've healed the brain cancer that I had in one of my lungs, but I'm still having problems with my other lung. So I still have cancer in one lung. But it is no more, uh, no longer what it was when I was first diagnosed. And we are the warriors and the heroes of our journey. We truly are. Although I'm not a big warrior, I don't like to fight. <laughs> I know a lot of people love to fight on their journeys, but I, I'm not one of those, you know, like Jason and the Golden Fleece. That's not me. I really do, though, what I did on my journey was love. I really loved every aspect, every gift every part of it that had um, been given to me. I really, I'm so sorry. I really, really uh, uh, loved it. And I loved it universally until death did we part. And fortunately we didn't part. We, uh, I stayed here. And as I look at this second journey, will this second journey, you know, uh, be the last one? I don't know. I don't know. And I, again, I am unafraid of how this one ends. I know that it, but whatever, whatever the ending, I know all will be well, no matter what. There will be no difficulty. Yeah, I like that statement. And I, I like to formulate it a little differently all is well it is well now <laughs> but of course that uh, to 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 be fully immersed in that that doesn't always happen right or i don't always feel that way but it's the message that is given all is well and you know when when the that voice that you use or that force that you've felt guiding you through everything and taking over where you had let so the voice that you had been listening before to before no longer was the one in the foreground, right? This one was suddenly in the foreground, took over. That was one that was saying all is well, no matter what happens, right? 
And I think this is a very important topic, you know, that there is a there is something there that accepts you, takes you the way you are. And there's nothing, nothing to be ashamed of or nothing that it would judge. There's nothing that gets judged by it. And, and the, the funny thing is I've been thinking about this a, a, before we had our talk because it's been coming up. I, I usually get some of these topics that are important before I have a conversation um, or the week before or whatever it starts coming up that I need something I need to be aware of, right? <laughs> and so this topic of, of the love or this presence, loving everything the way it is, loving it and not judging it in any way. The next thing is, how does guidance come from that? Because it sounds, you know, like, oh, it's all fine. No matter what you decide, it's good. Um, no matter what you do, um, you're, you're held in these arms of love or in this cocoon of love or whatever you want to call it, in this womb of love. You're always held perfectly safe and you never were in any danger. Now, now the question that comes up to me is where does guidance come from that? Because that, that doesn't sound like guidance. It sounds like, okay, always fine. Um, do whatever you like, right? No, that is a great question. And for me, the guidance comes, guidance comes out of that sense of serenity of that, I guess we could call it a letting go, but not uh, being involved in it uh, in a um, uh, egoic way, not having a need or a want or a desire. Uh, I didn't need to live. I didn't need to die. I didn't need to uh, be in pain, not be in pain. I was just following it. Uh, and therefore, it becomes more silent in me. And as it became more silent in me, guidance just naturally flowed. I would get incredible um, things that would just come to me for no reason. Uh, and sometimes I didn't even really ask for them. And sometimes they had to do with things that were going to be happening in the future. It wasn't about what was happening now. It was going to be necessary in the future. And I'd be like, wow, I wonder why that came to me. And then lo and behold, I'd be having dinner with somebody and they would say, uh, well, you know, they would ask me something that would be connected to that. So that's my belief. The more silent I get and calm, then guidance is just a natural byproduct of that. Whereas if I have an agenda or some sort of need in me, and this is where I think a lot of people get into trouble because of course with cancer, I wanna get well, I wanna get well, I want the cancer gone, I want this, I want that. You can't really hear a lot. You can't really receive a lot because there's too much of the person's agenda going on. And I will say it's, challenging and i've worked with a lot of people now it's very challenging because the more they really um are are are, are uh, attached to who they are and what they do and how they do it the more it can be very 
uh, insidious to find that stillness, to find that sense of ease or quiet. But it is there in that ability of letting go. And that's that's the whole thing about letting go. When I used to hear that phrase, that's the truth. You're letting go of all that you thought you knew, think you know, or ever will think you know. And you completely, completely remain calm and peaceful and wait for it to come to you as opposed to you going to it. That's my best explanation right now of that. Who knows with this next cancer, I might come up with more. But, um, you know, uh, it's all joyful and it's all really gifts if one can get their thinking out of this dimensional reality and into the reality of God and the Holy Spirit. One can really uh, uh, see the shift. Like I can see the shift in it. And even though I, I still like, you know, the cancer in this left lung, it, it, it got worse, it got worse. That's why I'm still dealing with it. And it was getting better, but I was on something that made a reaction happen. So it blew up the cancer in this lung. Most people would become depressed by that. And for me, it's another opportunity of finding out, well, why did that happen? What is it about? What is it in me that allowed that? And now I get to go back to Mexico and we have another journey. So I don't see it as um, a negative. I don't really see any of it as a negative. Uh, even uh, the brain cancer, which was very bad. My brain cancer was in a very bad location and um, I lost, well, I didn't know who I was anymore. That's how bad it was. I didn't know who I was, where I was, what I did. And to be honest, I was it was really quite fabulous um, because my brain had swelled and pushed it into the right side. So I was kind of having a heightened moment uh, once again, except, you know, this time it was it was produced for me. I didn't the brain did it. I didn't do it. I didn't fall into it. It just happened because of the brain. And those I realize those states are gifts, heightened gifts. And there was, there was another woman that spoke about this. Uh, Jill Bolte Taylor uh, wrote a book about my stroke of insight. She had a massive stroke that uh, took out half of her brain. And she writes that that was probably one of the most astounding things that occurred. And once again, she was a scientist, neuroscientist. I think she received it because she was a scientist and fascinated by what was happening to her as was i both times fascinated and i know anita became fascinated as she went on her journey she didn't start that way she started very very terrified she she will say that herself in every book she says she was terrified of dying 
Um, but then she became fascinated and stimulated by that. And that's what I would say to most people, keeping that kind of mind of open fascination, very much like a child and relishing what is occurring instead of negating it or trying to repel it because we feel like, oh, no, 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 that's, this is horrible. It's really not horrible unless we call it that. It really, our mind must label some things in a particular way. And why can't having a deadly disease be wonderful? I mean, who decided it was going to be horrible? The world outside of us. Um, and so, uh, I don't label, I don't really label it because I don't really know what it is. I only know that it's come to me and it's come to me with purpose. And so I'm not going to um, put it into any uh, a box and say, this is it. And uh, that part of it has been successful and it's what I, encourage people who come to me to do to stop the programming that we've been given since we were little stop saying that this is how the world works just simply allow it you know to do what it would like to do Yeah, and another topic that comes up when, when people are dealing with these illnesses, I, I have certainly had a whole lot of people who were great inspirations for me who, who passed with cancer, right? So I'm not, so I, I do see that side as well. And so I, I think we there's a good thing that I'd like to talk about. I, I've seen it with many people going through these things, or it didn't have to be cancer, other things, whatever that they would, you know, have these plans. They'd start planning what they will do when they're healthy again. And and, and I, I'm wondering if that's something that you've encountered too. And what what would you, you say about that? Or do you do that? Do you do that as well? You need to turn your sound on. We don't hear your answer. Sorry, I gave up making plans. I became more addicted to allowing plans to come to me. So like writing the book, I didn't plan that, that occurred. Um, I didn't ever think I would meet Anita Morjani. And it so happened she did a special uh, workshop very close to where I live. So. I, I just look for what kind of falls to me. I no longer plan. And I know there are a lot of people that planning is what keeps them alive. But I'm more interested in the universe's plan rather than my own personal plan. Um, like, this lung cancer came back so now i have to go on a trip 
back to Mexico. I didn't really plan that either. And I was supposed to go for a checkup uh, when they still thought all was well. I was supposed to go for a checkup um, in June. And now that got moved up to, well, I'll be leaving Sunday. Um, so I've kind of given up planning. Also, when I got the terminal cancer, uh, because the brain cancer was so severe, I couldn't, I couldn't get a key in a door. You know what I mean? I had to keep remembering, you know, I couldn't type, I couldn't, I couldn't live my life anymore. So I gave up trying to do that and relied on other people, other things. And uh, this cancer really, I gave up plans. I really, 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 truly gave up all my plans. The first cancer, I still had plans. I, I did more operas when I got back. I had, you know, like, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna be this. So um, the first cancer, yes, but this cancer, no, I'm not at all interested in where life goes after this. And I don't know where it'll go. I don't know what will occur. I don't know what I'll do. I don't know. You know, everybody asks me, oh, you're going to write another book. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. You know, uh, maybe I won't survive it. It doesn't bother me any longer. I'm unfazed by the things all of us have been trained and programmed to do since we were young, to have a plan, to go in a direction. I'm waiting for the direction to come to me or the plan to come to me, as opposed to me going to it. And, you know, funny, if I would have heard somebody say that years ago, I was saying, oh, that's kind of obnoxious. <laughs> I mean, what is this person? They think they're you know, better than everybody else or higher. And it's not that at all. It's just, it no longer sustains me in the same way as it once did. I don't get excited. Really, everything excites me. And yet everything is kind of the same because it's all beautiful and wonderful. And I'm always wondering, okay, wh wh where does this thing go? And I just follow it. I just follow it like a path. I just follow it. And then all of a sudden you come to this garden and you go, oh, this is where this goes. And it's like, that's great. And um, that's really from the second cancer, not the first, from the second. You know, so I, I can now delineate my cancers what 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 uh what one was versus the other and they both have been you know exceptionally uh amazing to me yeah i think you know one of the common beliefs is that that making these plans or having these ideas of what will come or what will i do if i if I get better or whatever, right? That that is a delineation of courage, of strength, and of of the power of the mind, right? It's it's actually you know we we are told that that shows how powerful our mind is because we are 
making plans. We are hopeful. We are this and that. And despite all these plans, you know, like I said, I had I've, I've known men, been blessed to know a lot of people who went through that and then didn't come out, right? But I also know some who did, right? Come out of it and survived. And this, but this, this planning, that's a question that has been on my mind about it, you know. What is it that keeps us going, right? In the midst of all of this, right? Is it the planning? Is it the, is it this letting go? Is it this opening up or this acceptance of what's going on and saying, okay, I'm now I'm totally stressed out. I'm unhappy. I'm worried or whatever comes up, right? All these feelings come up. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone is blissful all the time, or even if you can describe it as so such a great blessing i'm sure the pain and and the and the encounters of people who are sad for you right or because they think you will, they will lose you or whatever all these things or are losing you whatever the the emotion is you know this is this this fear of loss is such a huge issue so you know the fear of losing the capacity to do all those things that you saying like turning the key or this or that or even when it's actually happening right will i ever be able to do that again will i ever be able to turn that knob yes these are legitimate thoughts right um if you're coming from the experience of a world in which you need these capabilities and then you have to accept okay someone else will have to do it for me because i can't right now i just cannot it's not possible and so on. And so there's all these stages or all these ways of coping with it. And so I'm, I'm wondering what is the actual place where this ability to move forward or just move, just be, right? Because this idea that we are so used to, this idea that we have to serve a certain purpose in order to be worth something. And when we are, when we have these experiences, either we see it in someone else or in ourselves, you just cannot, you just cannot serve in the ways that you thought you were serving. Right? You may find yeah. another, like, like many do, you know, they speak about it, they share or whatever, or they help others who are going through similar things and this and that. There are many ways that people find ways to serve that are totally different from what they were doing before, right? Or might be a new way of doing what they were doing before, coming from where they are, what they're going through at that moment. And one of my most profound guidance is also about the podcast and about everything that I'm serving in, is to come from where you are at now because that's the most healthy and most healing for everyone and is most is the most helpful so i'm, I'm really thankful that you're willing to share that oh thank you so much and yeah bingo i mean that's beautifully stated and and why do we i mean we've been programmed to think we need to do have some plan grow up to be something or do something. Why? Why? Uh, I, I feel it's a much more powerful place to just be of service and to whatever comes just occurs. I don't, I don't know. 
I mean, and again, with this stage four metastatic, everything was taken away from me. I mean, my abilities, they put me immediately on disability, which means you can't work anymore because I was disabled. I couldn't. So um, it was, again, the acceptance. And then I got fascinated with, like, the key in the door. I know somewhere in me knows how to put the key in the door. I know that because I did it, but I can no longer do it. So now can I get that old part that knew to meet this new part that can't? And can I make them work together? And I believe that was really part of my therapy was I was fascinated, like a stroke victim really, um, to see if I could make those things come together. Not because I needed, I had people who could put the key in the door for me, but because I was fascinated to see if I could link the bridge between the Gary that could put the key in the door and the Gary that no longer could. And that became my fascination. Not because I wanted it to be, not because I was desperate to get in the door, because I knew I could get in the door. Everybody was willing to open my door. <laughs> you know, I had neighbors with keys. They were all willing to do it any time. You know, all I had to do was go help and somebody would be there. But um, it was more so for me, like going through a physical therapy. Can I make this work? And because my background is uh, Alexander Technique, which is about re-coordination, relearning, rebalancing. I got, I used me as my, you know, quote unquote client. And it was really, that was another beautiful journey. Sure, sometimes it became frustrating because there was a, there was a rush. And, and when somebody would rush me, everything would fall apart, everything. I couldn't do anything. So I learned very quickly rushing. What what good is it? That's an element of time. That's another ego manifestation. Um, and time has a purpose, but not in the moment. Uh, in the moment, it's just, well, as we all know, when we're involved in something, it all becomes timeless. There is no time. So time doesn't seem to exist anymore. So I really, really focused on those points and ideas. And with that brain cancer, uh, not only did it, everything came back, but the brain cancer completely disappeared, which I was told was the one they were most concerned about because it was in a bad spot. And, um, you know, chicken or egg, what, why did that occur? Was that because, I don't know, once again, I was just inspired to work with it in a different way? I don't know. Um, but I, you know, offer people the idea, why do we need to, to be able to do these things? Why do we need a plan? Why do we need, you know, to be of relevance to something? Um, that's all internal. And if it, you know, if it's something you want to do, okay, fine. But do we really need it? 
And that's what I found on this journey. No, I really didn't. I didn't need. And um, I guess I always go back to that same thing. When we are quote unquote needful or needy, right? It's in, in a sense, it feels like we push away what it is that we want. Where I wasn't needful. And as I say, I, I, I could have five different people open my door at any given moment. And I wasn't needful of it. Um, but yet it was available to me. And then, you know, the exploration, could I open the door? I didn't need to open it by myself. I wasn't trying to prove anything to myself. Like, yeah, I'm back. I'm on. My brain cancer is good. It's gone. Never, never. You know, I didn't know. I thought maybe the brain cancer was going to win. At the beginning, it looked like it was. Um, but once again, it didn't. So thus far. And now lung cancer. And will that win? I don't know. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Um, so now I'm going through that journey and it's unfolding. And I'm allowing and I'm uh, giving up those, what do you want to call them? Those. I guess my best word is programs, the programs that we think we should do or be or say or politeness even. It's just a program. What's coming from your truth? What do you want to express in that moment? Just like this talk, neither one of us had planned where this was going to go or how it was going to go. And it's going this way. And maybe, you know, some people will find this fascinating and others will find it eh, and others will be like, oh, this is stupid. But that doesn't matter to me. It's of no relevance to me. I don't need anything from that either. I just love seeing what unfolds as I leave it alone and let it like a seed that you plant and then you let it do its thing. You know, and if it's uh, someplace where you can water it, maybe you throw a little water on once in a while, but you allow it to come to its own fruition. And that's uh, that's kind of what I'm doing with me. That's my new experiment. <laughs> what will I become? What 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 will happen? Uh, and uh, and whatever it is, I go always back that it will all be well as you had stated before, it will all be well, no matter what, it will all be fine. Yeah, one of the quotes from A Course in Miracles that fits to this issue is, infinite patience leads to instant results. Yes, and isn't that beautiful? Because patience, man, that is where it is at, especially with, you know, cancer, crazy cancers, patience. But bringing up children, I mean, it, teaching, it, we can name a million different things in this world where patience is truly a virtue and not demands, as this world so often produces, demands. You have to do this. You have to do that. You know, um, I mean, I had people, you know, 
doing things that here I had brain cancer. You must fill out these papers. You have to submit this. You have to. If I had not had somebody helping, forget it. I could have never done it. Never in a gazillion years. And yet the system expected somebody with severe brain cancer to be able to do it. I couldn't even write my name. And at one point, I couldn't even remember my name. So it's, you know, um, that's where infinite patience is really salvation, truly salvation. And I am a big advocate of just allowing and seeing where it wants to go. And even with getting the key in the door, where did the key want to go? Usually it would want to go up to the left, away from the doorknob. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Isn't that weird that it wants to go in the opposite direction? And I knew it, I was aware of it, but I couldn't make it go. And I said, okay, well, let's think of it in a different way. Let's think of it as going down to the floor. And then as I'd go down to the floor, it would go closer to the knob. And it was like, huh, isn't that weird? So I was playing with what did patience, what did it need to feel safe in order to connect with what it used to be able to do? And it's all an experiment. Life is a grand experiment. We are all our own experiment. And that's what I'm doing, experimenting. You know, even the fact that I went to Mexico the first time, people threatened me. They said they would never talk to me again. And some of them never did. Some of them never spoke to me again. But they they told me if I did something as stupid as go to Mexico, they would never speak to me again. No patience there. <laughs> there was no, you know, qualm about that. Now, some of them did speak to me again, but some of them didn't. Some of them didn't because it so violated their sense of truth. And to be honest, when it was successful, it made them even angrier. They were even more upset because they felt like I was proving them wrong. I wasn't doing anything. I was, I was, um, you know, I was just allowing whatever was going to happen happen and i would tell people yeah maybe i will kill myself maybe i will die but they're telling me i'm going to die anyway so what's the difference what what is the difference so either i kill me or they kill me it, it doesn't or the cancer kills me what is the big deal but so many people had such you know uh, opinions and judgments even about that even though it had nothing to do with them so that was another profound teaching, another profound lesson, you know, that I really, again, all of it is such a blessing. I, I, I can't tell you what a blessing it all has been. It's like I really started living life eight years ago. <laughs> like all of a sudden I like woke up. It was like a resurrection or something. It was just like, oh my God. Where was I all this time? And then when I got the second cancer, it was like another resurrection. Like, oh my God, where was I all this time?
Yeah, I think there there's a lot one can unpack about this and what triggers us to open up to who we are. What is it, right? And and yeah, in your case, this is part of it, but it wasn't everything because you you do have you were explaining that you had a journey before that in which you were discovering about the connection of the mind body connection or the deeper connection saying the mind is responsible for what's going on and so on and of course in miracles it says the the world that we see is basically an illusion right it's a it's a dream and we made it not god through the thoughts of separation now the the reinterpretation of the world which is the job of the holy spirit you were using the, the word you were using that description as well the holy spirit that's what brings us home right? it's not dismissing the world but using what we made because we love it right we made it <laughs> hopefully we love what we made <laughs> um, <laughs> so you you do automatically right there's no way you can't even if you're spewing all these evil things and say how awful it is you're still loving what you made and so the the Holy Spirit, can, which is the solution to it, has the solution to it for us, is holding it for us, right? Can reinterpret it all and show us the way home. And that's what we are doing for each other, right? We're walking each other home. And the Holy Spirit is, is really there for us. And I think that's a, it's amazing that you were seeing, you know, all, all these judgments that people have, including yourself, of course, right? You were also you probably got mad at them or like, how can you be concerned with my issues? I mean, what's, what's your, it's not your business and this and that, right? And whether I die this way or that way, you were saying, who cares? I mean, they were like, it matters. You know, if it's, if you die in a car accident, it's a totally different thing than if you die because someone gave you the wrong education, you can't compare that. Right. So yes. So there, there's a lot to, to unpack about all of this. And I think it's really important that you, you're stating this issue of who is the one deciding, right? And who and why are these relationships with these people so important that I might give up what I want to do? I mean, they're, they're telling, you know, if you do that, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Yeah, well, how many times have we lost friends over something we decided to do? Plenty of times. And how many times have we gained friends because we decided to do something? That's that's true as well. We got all our friends because of decisions we made. And we lost all our all the friends that we lost are also because of decisions we made. So <laughs> or the decisions that were there, right, from whomever. We don't actually always know whether it was them or us or something else entirely that we don't even know how to comprehend. But anyways, so I think it's a good thing to, to look at. Where is this coming from and, and how is it helpful? Yeah. Absolutely. Again, that's really beautifully stated. And again, I, I want to just add that I think it's each person must decide for themselves that 
you know, so many people now ask me, well, what do you think I should do? And it's like, I don't know what you should do. I have no idea. I, I'm not you. I'm not living your journey. I don't know how you've constructed your the specifics and details of what's going on within you. Um, and if they say, do you think I should call Mexico? I don't know. Do you want to call Mexico? I mean, that's really the question. I don't know. You might be with the greatest doctor ever right now. I, I can never give real advice because I've really learned on this journey, it's individual and it's each one of us kind of treading through and deciding. And I just know what I know for me. That's it. I don't claim to know for anybody else. And I'm not, you know, a psychic. Uh, I can get hunches or things when I work with an individual or I get guided to go someplace and they'll say like, oh my God, why did you go there? I, that's exactly what I was hoping you would do. You know, um, I, you know, I follow, I follow, but I would never tell somebody there's one way home. Never, never. And uh, I always encourage people to empower themselves and to find out what their connection is to their guidance, to their, to the Holy Spirit, to God. Because even that, that's, that's different for everybody. Uh, and some people, they, they, you say the word God and they freak out. You can't even say that, you know. They get like, oh, this is a Jesus freak or something, you know. So I don't really push anything on anybody. Of course, when I come somewhere here, I speak freely. But I don't, you know, ever uh, condemn or encourage anything that anybody does. And I uh, support everything. And then, you know, only uh, the only advice I ever give, if something feels really bad or you're afraid of it, I would question them. Why are you feeling bad or fearful? So what is that about? And I'm not saying I have the answer, but what is that about? Uh, you know, um, I've had people say, my doctor scares me. And it's like, well, what do you think that's about? What do you think that's about? Why, where is that coming from? You know, um, but uh, that's up to them. That's up to them. And so uh, that's really my biggest message. You know, we have all the answers, really, if we can connect to them. And the depth of that connection in us and through us and outside of us, we've got it all. But it can be tricky. And I know for myself, the trickiest moments were when I got fearful. And the brain cancer would do that to me quite a bit. Uh, one time on the train, I, I, I wasn't sure if this train was going in the right direction or the wrong. And for some reason it freaked me out. And all I did was stop and breathe 
and really just was very patient and was like, okay, we're not going to go anywhere. We don't have to go on the train. We don't have to go on any train. As a matter of fact, we can turn around and get out of here. So um, I kind of talked myself down, you know, and uh, that was kind of shocking too, because I'm not normally a fearful person, but with the brain cancer, I would, oh my God, I, I would get freaked out if I put my glasses down and couldn't find them, uh, which, you know, is no big deal. But the brain cancer made me highly <gasps> about things. And I was just patient. It was kind of like having a small child who's really terrified of something. I just was patient and did the best I could with that situation. So. Yeah, that's another fascinating aspect of what we were speaking of before, this this place within us that says, yeah, no matter what you do, I'm here for you, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. <laughs> that has to come from somewhere else. <laughs> that's a very fun one, yeah. So before we wrap things up i would like to give another opportunity for anyone to ask or comment or share something and then we'll wrap things up go ahead henry hi uh gary i've been enjoying the um conversation between you and your monologues greatly it's a beautiful beautiful story um, one small aspect that i'm personally curious about is the reference that you made earlier on in the recording about that the doctor suggested you do not eat sugar not even fruit would you uh try to uh, well logically maybe yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Logically explain that. Or did they give you a reasoning for that? Is there a background? Have you followed that in your dietary? Have you changed your dietary uh, stuff? Or was this, is that part of what's been uh, effective for you? Do you know that? Yes, to to the 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 general yes to the whole question. So um, for those that don't know, uh, sugar, processed sugars are one of the biggest feeders of cancers. So as we eat processed sugar, it is a quick fix and goes directly to the cancer to feed it. So for example, and the more processed like Coca-Cola, the faster it goes. And what happens is, is when cancer gets fed, it not only spreads, but it becomes more fragile. And in my case, they didn't want me it to be fragile. They wanted to make the cancer angry. So the quickest way to make it angry was to take away all sugar, even like fruit sugar, which is, you know, not as um, deadly as processed, but they wanted me to just shock the tumor because when you shock tumors, they have a tendency to become very rigid and tight and uh, kind of like us. 
when we get scared or something, we become rigid and tight. And that's what happens to a cancer tumor when its supply is cut off. That's the same thing. Even it happens with somebody with an addiction. Uh, when you cut off the addiction, they become rigid and tight. Remember, sugar is highly addictive. The body, um, it's easy feed for the body, even in general. And yes, I continued to stay off sugar that entire cancer. Then I added it back in when I got back, fruit and stuff like that. Processed, I don't do much of it. Uh, and now with this cancer, I'm doing the same thing. No, no um, sugars, no, no processed food, uh, not even cheese. I don't even do processed cheese. Uh, I do nothing that's processed, even milk, dairy, nothing. If it's processed, I don't do it. Um, processed food, remember, has a lot of additives, and that's why it's processed. And additives, remember, can be more harmful to the system. So I hope that answers the rest of the question. Uh, I stay away from it. And, um, you know, uh, when I was feeling good and all was going well, I, you know, I would have it sometimes, but I didn't make it, uh, I'd never gone back to doing processed sugar as a, a quick fix. Never use processed sugar in coffees or teas or any of that. I just don't do it anymore. I don't enjoy it anymore, but it has been eight years. It has been eight years. But initially they wanted me to shock the tumor because I did have to get on a plane and fly to Mexico and they didn't want that to rupture the, um, sometimes the air pressure can make uh, tumors activate. And mine, if it activated, would be terrible. So um, that's why they did that. So I hope that answers your question, Henry. Uh, yeah, that's great, thank you. Okay, time to wrap things up. So if anyone wants to reach out to you, where would you send them? They can go to my website is garyramsey.org. So it's kind of easy. Garyramsey.org, it'll come up. From there, you can get the book, the contact numbers, the, the background information on me. You can even hear me sing opera if you so desire. Uh, it, the site has pretty much everything about my journey thus far. And um, I'm on Facebook as Gary Ramsey author. Uh, and uh, that's really, you know, a platform that I use. And Instagram I'm on as Bliss, which is the name of the book. But all of these things interconnect. And once you once you go one spot, you'll it'll connect you to another. So it's pretty easy to find me. In fact, even if you just put in um, uh, Gary Ramsey Bliss, I come up in a lot of different places, on Amazon especially, because that's where the book is. All right? Great. So I'd like to thank everyone who's participating in any way by listening, watching, 
and I would like to ask you all to spread the word if you like this, give reviews, subscribe to the podcast, and do whatever you can so people can find the many conversations that are already here and the ones that will be coming. And you're also welcome to join me in a conversation as well if you want to share a message of, of love or whatever that, that means to you and peace and so on. So yeah, there's many fascinating conversations coming up as well. And so I'm looking forward to that. So thank you all and till next time.